Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Once again this week, we read the Gospel from John, chapter 6. We started last week, we continue this week. Scripture scholars call this passage the Bread of Life Discourse. Now add this Gospel with the first reading, with the story of Elijah, and it prefigures the Eucharist, everything that we know about the Eucharist today. Now go to that first reading. Elijah, he's at the very end of his limits. He's at the very end of his limits, his physical, spiritual, and intellectual limits, and he's ready to give up. He wants God to take his life. Now, it's hard to understand this first reading because we're coming into the very middle of a story. It's like walking into a movie that's already halfway finished. We don't know the plot. We don't know the characters. We don't know the theme. And so the story is incomplete. In order for us to really appreciate and fathom the story of Elijah, we have to go back to the very beginning. Elijah is involved in a tense ordeal. You could say a watershed moment. It's a defining moment for him in his role as a prophet. Elijah must face down priests that worship a pagan god named Baal and whose popularity within Israel has spread like wildfire. Why? Well, it's because King Ahab, which is the current king of Israel, has married a woman named Jezebel. And Jezebel is a priestess of this pagan god, Baal. And gradually, over time, she converts her husband, King Ahab, to worship this pagan god. And eventually, King Ahab erects temples all over the countryside of Israel to worship this pagan god and encourages the people of Israel to do the same, to worship this pagan God. And in doing so, the whole country of Israel, all the Israelites, are now practicing idolatry. They no longer worship Yahweh. Instead, they worship this pagan God. And so what does God do? Well, he calls upon Elijah to face down these priests, to cast judgment upon them, to make everyone recognize that there is one true God, and it's not this pagan God named Baal, but it is Yahweh. Now, Elijah does it in a very dramatic way. It's kind of reminiscent of the old Westerns movies. At high noon, the good guy and the bad guy face off at the main street. Well, Elijah does something similar. He's on top of Mount Carmel. He's standing all by himself, and he's facing down over 400 priests of this pagan God. What's at stake? To prove who really is the true God, Baal or Yahweh. What's the test? Well, each prepares a sacrifice, an altar, and they call upon their God to consume the altar with fire and see which God responds. They will know who is the true God. And so Elijah acquiesces to the priests of the pagan God. 
Well, these priests, they start praying and chanting and singing songs in the morning, and all morning long, nothing happens. And so they continue throughout the entire afternoon. They keep praying, they keep chanting, singing songs to their God, and nothing happens. Well, towards the evening, Elijah becomes a little bit cocky. He starts taunting these priests. He says, hey, maybe your God is deaf. Why don't you pray a little bit louder? Or maybe your God is sleeping. Why don't you sing a little bit louder? Wake him up. And so these priests do just that. And yet, nothing happens. Well, now it's evening, and it's Elijah's turn. Elijah says one simple, short prayer. And immediately, fire comes down from the heavens and consumes his sacrifice and altar and proves Yahweh is the one and true God. Now, here lies Elijah's mistake. He becomes so filled with zeal that he kills all of the 400 priests of this pagan god. Well, Jezebel hears about this and she becomes furious and she sends out assassins to go out and kill Elijah. And so Elijah literally is running for his life. See, with that in hand, now we can enter into the first reading. Now it begins to make some sense. It says, Elijah went a day's journey into the desert. He sat beneath a broom tree and he prayed for his death. This is enough, Lord. Take my life. Well, Elijah is giving up. He's calling for his own death. He can't run anymore. But what does God do? God sends an angel. It says an angel touched him and ordered him to get up and eat. Elijah looked and there it was at his head, a hearth cake and a jug of water. And so, At this point, Elijah receives the food and the drink that is needed for him to continue the journey. Better yet, he receives from the angel the destination, where he must go. It says, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God, Horeb. Now, what's important here is that he ate exactly what the angel gave him. The angel gave him food for the journey. And he ate, and now he was ready to complete the journey, to reach his destination. And Elijah does just that. He comes to Mount Horeb, he encounters God, and God immediately assumes him up into heaven. And so, how many of us can identify with Elijah? How many of us, at some point in time, felt in our life of giving up? Whatever we suffered from, whatever challenge it was, we just said, I can't go on anymore. I can't do this. I just want to quit. We lost a sense of direction or purpose. In those instances, what do we need to do? The same thing that Elijah did. We need nourishment. We need the nourishment from God. Jesus' body and blood, the Eucharist. And when we eat and drink just like Elijah, we are renewed. We have a purpose in life. And see, that is at the heart of the gospel message. Jesus says, I am the living bread come down from heaven. Jesus, you could say, is both the means as well as the end. And here's the key. Jesus is both the nourishment as well as the destination. What do I mean by this? We'll go back to the first reading. Elijah needed both. He needed to continue to eat and drink so that he could continue the journey. But he also needed a sense of the destination, where he was, 
and what God wanted him to do. So too with us. First and foremost, Jesus is the means. He is the nourishment that we need in order to continue on in life, especially during those difficult times when we feel we just want to give up. That's why Jesus says, I am the living bread. Now, I know that's hard for us to understand. Just take that analogy, the living bread. Well, take any type of bread, bread that you bake at home, bread that you go to a store and buy. Now, when you eat that bread, it's not alive. When we eat it, our bodies break that bread down, right? Break it down into carbohydrates and simple sugars. And during that process, that bread assimilates into our tissues and our muscles and our organs. So we can say it is living as it relates to me. But look at the Eucharist. It's just the opposite. When we eat the Eucharist, it doesn't assimilate into us. Rather, we assimilate into it. When we eat the Eucharist, we don't make it come alive. Instead, the bread from heaven, the Eucharist, makes us alive. When we consume the Eucharist, we are brought into the life of Christ. We are incorporated into the life of Christ because it is Jesus' body and blood that we take into our bodies. That's why Jesus says, whoever eats this bread will live forever. A few weeks ago, I noted that the early church fathers referred to the Eucharist as food for the journey. Well, where are we going? What's our journey? Our ultimate journey, symbolized in the story of Elijah, is heaven. And that's what the Eucharist gives us, that destination. Yes, we consume the Eucharist. It is first and foremost our nourishment that gives us life. The Eucharist gives us the grace and the hope and the strength to continue to walk life's journey and not give up, just like Elijah, even in the midst of our challenges of life. And they come in different forms. Maybe we lost a job. Maybe we have declining health. Maybe we lost a loved one. Maybe we suffer from fear, depression, anxiety. Whatever it is, no one is immune from these things. And at some point in time in our life, we utter those same words as Elijah. This is enough. I can't continue. I just want to give up. But remember what the angel said and did. Get up, eat, and drink, or you won't make your journey. Nor with us. We must heed the words of the angel, especially when we feel we can't go on. The Eucharist is that nourishment that keeps us alive and gives us the strength to continue on despite the struggles and the hardships in life. But also the Eucharist points to the end. It points to the goal or our destination. Elijah reached his destination and he was taken up to heaven. Well, the Eucharist reminds us of our final destination, our goal, which is heaven. Thomas Aquinas referred to the Eucharist as the Panis Angelicos, the bread of the angels. The Eucharist is not of this world. Yes, it is the means. It helps us strengthen us and grow in holiness, but it's also the destination. It's the goal. After the consecration, we gaze upon the altar and we see a glimpse of heaven, our destination. St. Irenaeus once said, We are resident aliens in this world, which means what? We don't belong here. This is not our final destination. Instead, our goal, our final destination, 
is heaven. Our citizenship resides in heaven. And that's what the Eucharist helps us to do. It gives us a glimpse of the goal. And like Elijah, motivated, we walk that spiritual path in life until all of us reach our final destination, just like Elijah, heaven. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.